0: Uh-huh. This is Council for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors, Beth Broome and Eliza Huey.
1: Welcome back to Council for Life. My name is Beth. And I'm Eliza.
2: We're so grateful you guys have joined us again for another episode and once again today we get to have a wonderful and special guest on the podcast with us. It's been
1: really fun, right Eliza to have guests on and Oh my and gosh, some... it's it's been so fun. That's why I'm a little excited this morning. I'm like another guest. Woohoo. But yeah, yeah it's, gonna it's gonna be been great. great. Today
2: we have Darby Strickland with us and Darby is a dear friend and sister who has so much wisdom and experience mm-hmm. in a particular area that we're going to talk about today, but let me just intro her a little bit. So Darby is um, she teaches uh, at the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation, CCEF, one of our many acronyms in the biblical counseling world. Uh, So she's a teacher. She's also a counselor with CCEF, and um, she has written Quite a bit. And she writes a lot for the Journal of Biblical Counseling, which has been hugely helpful in my life Mm -hmm. as a counselor as I've read her wisdom specifically related to abuse, uh, both care for victims and also just understanding the process of abuse and what's actually happening in those patterns. And we're going to get to hear a little bit more about that today. Mm -hmm. But she's written a couple of booklets. Um, uh, on domestic abuse. And she's also recently written a larger book called Is It Abuse? And that book has been wonderful and wonderfully received as well. Yes. Uh, many, many people have uh, shared how how wonderful that work has been. So we're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but she's, she's written and uh, she is a counselor who works a lot with abuse victims and survivors and and so that is what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Mm-hmm. And um, before we do that, Darby, I would love for you to just share hello, by the way. We're glad you're on. <laughs> yeah, hello, hello. And uh, we'd love for you to just also share a little bit about just yourself, your family, and uh, things like that. We'd love to hear from
0: you. Sure. I've been happily married for 22 years. Um, and so uh, people often ask me, do I have the personal experience of oppression? I don't. I have just a wonderful husband who is just super insupportive. We have three children. Um, one who is in college at Wheaton and then two more at home and I'm homeschooling them and really enjoying that. So it's just been a huge part of important part of my life that I've just delighted in.
1: That's awesome. And now that is an interesting way that you kind of a little caveat there. Like I'm happily married. Does your husband sometimes get looks sometimes when you're <laughs> your like, Oh, there he mm-hmm. is.
0: I hope my mom says she's getting a lot. I think anybody who knows him just know you know yeah, yeah, can tell knows us personally. But my mom says she's getting a lot of questions lately, like what's with this?
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess in some ways you do think like maybe this is out of somebody's experience, but it is out of your experience, just not out of your personal experience in your own marriage, but your own experience in the counseling world. Absolutely and I don't know if you remember where I first met you in person mm-hmm. was in your office at yeah. CCEF, and it was just if you've never been to CCEF, I actually think everybody should go there <laughs> at least. It's once a two. castle, yeah. It is. It is gorgeous, and so every single counseling room has just unique little characteristics mm-hmm. to it, and yours is definitely no exception to that with the brick or the rock walls and so forth and stuff. But, yeah. but yeah, do you remember that, means I do. I do. Yeah. 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 Nice
0: little conversation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that's really like, that's where I met you. I, I was dealing with a situation Mm -hmm. where, um, it was a situation where the, the wife was in an abusive marriage, but it was definitely one of those abusive marriages that looked so okay from the outside. And, and there was no physical abuse. And it was one of those where it's like, man, just like we hear a lot, the women are often like, I just wish he would do something physical to me, but, um, and I was actually just sharing with Beth offline, like the situation actually continues to this day. And that was many years ago, even though she's out of that relationship. Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. just such an attachment to the, um, well, not, not to her, like she's distanced herself, but he continues to, Mm -hmm. um, to make her life miserable, if you will. And so it was a heavy case. I didn't really know what Mm -hmm. to do. And you shared, just some really helpful wisdom that, that opened my eyes to a lot of things that even as a counselor, I just hadn't considered with this subject of abuse. And so I'm actually curious for you to kind of share, like, how did you, how did you end up? Obviously we know it's not from your own personal story, right? How did you end up um, doing abuse care or working with victims? That's a really, that's a good question. So
0: I, I work across the street from Westminster Seminary um Mm -hmm. and do a lot of counseling um and i think that a lot of well two things god kept bringing me his oppressed daughters like that's just really clear um secondly i think a lot of men looked at me as a young counselor knew didn't know what i was doing and actually hand selected me to think that i was a counselor they could kind of control in the counseling process Mm -hmm. um, because i was very very new um And so I didn't know what I didn't know. So I think like everybody else, I got in there, I had a couple of cases and one or two just really revealed to me, this is not normal. Um, When I started sensing the oppressor was trying to control me in the process and didn't really, wasn't really caring for their wife. That made me just really curious what's going on here. Um, and so story after story, um, yeah, my eyes were just really opened up to oppression. I didn't know what to do with it. It just really dug me further into scripture. Like, Lord, I don't know what I'm seeing. I don't understand it. Um, how could someone, like, it just was so foreign to me that someone could be so blind, so self-righteous and so hurtful to someone they pledged to love. Um, so that's, wow. yeah. And, and the same thing happened in my own church. I'd care for one or two women and then the women know the other women, right? I think you need to talk to her. Um, And so it just, it just became that way. My caseload became very um, full of women who were harmed by their husbands. And then the second part of my work was I really wanted their local churches to help them. Like I felt the church is really equipped in these particular marriages. Um, There's nothing a wife can do to end oppression, right? She's really at the mercy of her husband, whether he deals with the sin. Um, And so I try to go to churches and advocate for these women and they just didn't get it. So I was just really convicted. We need to we need I need to create resources so that when I'm interfacing with pastors, they can be brought up to speed and really understand the dynamics of oppression in a way that fits their language and fits what scripture has to say.
2: Well, and I will say our church has benefited so greatly from specifically your counseling in the Brambles article in the Journal of Biblical Counseling. I mean, I handed that thing out like it was candy at Halloween, man. I mean, I was like, everybody, everybody needs to read this. And it was so helpful for our elders to to just get their heads wrapped around these concepts because it is difficult. It's not something that um, is intuitive, I think, for a lot of people. And so thank you for that work. I mean, I know it's thankless work, so I no, want no. to make sure how important that is.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. And I really, I mean, I appreciate pastors and elders who, I've worked with so many of them, and when they finally get it, they're just broken. I didn't see it. I couldn't imagine it. I missed it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that that little mini book is exactly what I had hoped, like 8,000 words, every elder can read it in a half an hour, because mm-hmm. I just was not only broken for victims, but really broken for the good, good shepherds who missed mm-hmm. it. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's so good. And one of the things that you said is that, you know, when you were starting out, you felt like in some ways, um, the situations you were working with that the person hand selected you kind of in a way. And I think that's important to recognize like oppressors will hand select who's going to be in their circle of care. And I think one of the things that is important is to recognize that. And I think as a counselor, I think that's what you really helped me see is that um I perhaps was even part of the plan you know mm-hmm. and so when I became no longer I, when I no longer played that role that I was selected mm-hmm. for, actually I became also a part of the target of um, exactly of, yeah. like like um putting the spotlight became on me as my flaws and my faults in mm-hmm. the role that I was playing and so forth. And so good to kind of know that as you mm-hmm. think about this subject is that there's there's a lot more going on than we realize. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's just really, really key. So that's kind of how you got into it all. And I do mm-hmm. kind of wonder, you know, there's probably so much, so much mm-hmm. that the Lord has taught you through this process of helping others. Is there anything that you, you know, as you look back, you know, it's been quite a long time that you've been trafficking through this area that is heavy and dark and oftentimes very oppressive. What has the Lord taught you through this?
0: Yeah, two things mainly. And the first one I'll be really brief on is just that he has it. Like he loves the vulnerable and he he has compassion for them. His compassion moves him to action. So being Doing this work for over 10, 15 years, I can see his hand on people I've cared for, which is really freeing as someone. When you get into this work, there's so much that's urgent. There's so much that you're afraid for. Um, but now just growing and recognizing his love is far greater. He delights in using me. He doesn't have to use me, um, but he is working on behalf of um, the oppressed. And so that helps me relax a little bit in my counseling um, and, and trust him more. I think the thing that has shaped me the most is just I really have to be a learner. Um, mm. Oppression is difficult. It's complicated. Um, victims present themselves th- not clearly. Oftentimes their stories are circular. They're hard to understand. And I really want to love someone while well. I have to learn their story. And I really need to spend a lot of time with them, be careful, um, gentle, really deliberate in extracting their story. And then I really need to learn what the Lord is saying about their particular situation um, and their context, their church. And so, yeah, I've just humility. You can never be humble enough for this work. Um, It's very tempting to say, I know this and say, this is abuse and this is what should be done. Um, But humility just wins the day every time with the victim when you're interfacing with the church and before the Lord just saying, I I am really powerless and it's up to you. Wow,
2: that's so helpful. And and I also just want to ask you, Darby, as we think, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the book that came out, uh, and wanna just hear this book is called Is It Abuse? And I wanna hear just your heart for when you were planning to write this Mm -hmm. book and you know, who is it for, and what Mm -hmm. are some couple ways that it could really be helpful, both for victims but also for helpers. Uh, because I certainly found it very, very helpful, particular things. If you don't mention them, I will in a moment. But
0: good. <laughs> just certain things that have been really your heart for this book itself. Yeah, I think just having cared for so many women, and they were hurt by the people that were walking alongside of them because they didn't understand oppression. They didn't know what to ask. They didn't know how to uncover it. They were given very simplistic answers or answers that really harmed their faith. You know, trust God more, those type of things. I really wanted it to be comprehensive. So I wrote it in three parts. Um, And the first part is really understanding the dynamics of oppression so that, and and really giving reflection questions for the people reading it, that they would have to not just look at the problem, but look at how themselves when interfaced with the problem. Um, And so, um, yeah, so I I wrote it really for helpers, whether pastors, elders, deacons, women in the pew, counselors, anybody who's going to be walking alongside a victim book would work for. Um, The second section is more of a manual, and it details the type of abuse, what the Bible has to say about that, lots of discovery questions, action questions. Um, And the third part, which is smaller, is, you know, different responses to abuse. But, like, I have little toolboxes in there, tools for counselors to use, um, resources for helpers, you know, just thinking about what does it look like um, to walk in the darkness and and how do you stay resilient and whole, which I know you guys is important to you guys too. And so, yeah, I want there's a lot of worksheets in there, a lot of questions as you go through the book.
2: Yeah. That's, that's one thing I was going to mention. It's, it's, it's deeply theological, but it's also deeply practical. And Mm -hmm. I think that is so hugely important for people. It is a, um, the other thing that I like is that, it's not necessarily something that I need to set aside time and just read all the way through it. I can pick up various portions of it as I need it. And that, that's really helpful. The, the worksheets, the little assessment tools, things like that, man, for churches, even just being able to know, okay, this, is a, this can be a starting place for me as I'm sitting with somebody who's suffering. And that uh, you're, you've saved a ton of time and, and effort and energy for, for pastors and counselors by, uh, creating those, those tools. So thank you so much for that Mm -hmm. work. What about, I mean, if, if, um, because I, I wouldn't doubt that there are victims and survivors that have picked up Mm -hmm. this book just by looking at the title, what kind of feedback have you gotten, uh, related to it being helpful for,
0: for victims as well? Yeah, I think victims really appreciate the first sort of the book, particularly because it really describes their experience. I think, Victims just live in this fog of confusion, right? So it gives them categories and biblical categories. It gives them a way to understand what's happening to them. It's really speaks about God's heart and how it's not their fault and He stands against oppression. So I feel victims feel really loved by that. I've heard they say like this: "I, you know me," is what I often hear, which is just a high, high compliment. And it's really a testimony to the victims that let me learn on them because I didn't have these questions, I didn't have this knowledge, and so I'm just so thankful to the many women that. You know, some I hurt in the process, um, and they hung with me, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in, in and informing that. And I think a lot of the I, I, ideally, I would love for them to entrust the book to a friend and say, Can you read this mm-hmm. and help me? So I don't, sad. I don't, I don't feel like anybody, I don't want anybody alone, but sometimes that is the reality, yeah, right. And so, um, yeah, if they can say to a good friend or a mother, a parent, or a pastor, This is resonating with me, I need you to know how to help me. Wow. I, I think that is a good service to
1: them. You know, one thing that, one thing that I, I think has been helpful as I have used it, I, I have my copy is at my work office and I'm in my professional recording studio downstairs in my basement right now. (laughs) But, um, but I do know, like, I can almost see the pages of like the, the definitions that you have of the different types of abuse. I have found um, both as a counselor, but also those who I walk with have found that very helpful. As just you've taken some very intentional time uh, to really think through what is, you know, a physical abuse, what is emotional abuse, what is, what is financial abuse, you know, all of the different things that can come up when we talk about abuse because it's a broad term, abuse. And so, what does it, what do, does each of these actually mean? I found that the people that I have walked with, those who are in, um, Oppressive situations have found that to be so valuable. So it's a. I mean, I think everybody, and I'm, and I really do mean that. Anybody who is in the church who walks with anyone as a friend, as a mentor, as a counselor, whatever, pastor needs mm-hmm. this book, even just for those definitions alone. So mm-hmm. I, I find those very helpful. Yeah, yeah. That's.
0: that's I would say people get it before you need it. I'm sorry, you will need it one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Read the first third and stick it on your shelf. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Good. that's
2: so great. Yeah, and I. I will say often with when I work with um, survivors, so I I work primarily with people Mm. who are no longer in abusive situations, but they're Mm. trying to heal from those wounds. And uh, one of the things that I tell them is, unfortunately, you end up becoming kind of a coach and a teacher to the people in your Mm. life as you learn about what, what this is and what it was and the after effects of it. And that's hard. Well, I don't want to have to coach people. I'm trying to heal, you know. But so things like this allow for some tools to put in a, in a helper's hand, or a friend's mm-hmm. hand, or a spouse's hand to to be able to give categories and language so wonderful and important. And it also, yeah, it lessens the burden on the victim or the survivor yeah. who is seeking healing um, if if they can utilize your words uh, yeah. and that less that's really story
0: nice. fatigue on their part, less repetition, less yeah. Totally.
2: Well, uh, we're so excited about just the good work that the Lord has and the, and the influence and the bandwidth that the Lord has given you to be able to do this. Cause I know your primary love and concern is for these people, Mm -hmm. these actual people that are sitting in front of you week after week. Um, but to be able to share your wisdom with all of us, Mm -hmm. it's such a gift. So thank you for that. And, and I'll also say just, you know, what you said about the, the little uh, mini books, that Mm -hmm. is such a helpful thing for pastors, elders. I spent I spend time with, with women in church settings who are lay leaders or whatever, and they're wanting so much to advocate for victims in their congregation. And they're, they're thinking, how do I do that? How do I, um respectfully and lovingly say to the leaders, the elders and the pastors of my church, yeah. hey, you guys need to learn these things. Mm-hmm. So having something like that to be able to put in the hands of your pastor is such a huge and important thing. And, and so I'm so glad that that you've written things that are bite-sized as well, you know, yeah. For, yeah. No, for people yeah. that are not going to be able to necessarily sit and read a whole book, although I definitely would advocate for that. So thank you for, for oh, your no. hard work. And we are praying yeah. that the Lord will just continue to to give you uh, a lot of favor and influence Mm -hmm. in the church specifically as this topic is just so hugely
0: needed. It's yeah. It's just, it's been an honor really to represent victims in the way that the Lord has allowed. And yeah.
2: Well, as we, as we conclude every episode, we (laughs) uh, either, we do this or we ask our guests to give us just a moment of humanity, a story about yourself. And, um, and one of the things that, that, our listeners really love is that we are just we just want to show you that we're regular people and we have our own stories that are both funny and sometimes embarrassing. I've told embarrassing stories on the podcast, <laughs> Me too. Um, and I'm not Me asking <laughs> you to do that, Darby. I don't want <laughs> you to embarrass yourself, but I would love for you to just share a little story, uh, a glimpse into your life as we close out today.
0: Yeah, it's so funny you would say that actually because when I was reading it yesterday, um, I thought it was a moment of humility. Or- <laughs> like, or sometimes like, it's uh, both. It could yeah. be both. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. That's what I, that I, what, uh, that I chose to share. And it's really geared around, like I refuse to get readers. Right. And so I, you know, I'm making everything on my phone bigger, everything on my computer bigger. Um, and even just there in that email missing, missing, uh, I'm ready to humiliate myself. And now you're saying humanity, but it's all the same. <laughs> um, but this, this season over the last three months, I had 10 trips in 12 weeks and we moved right smack dab in the middle of it. And I had a long trip out to California. And then I had one more trip at the end. And I was exhausted. It was, a, it was a lovely opportunity. It was a great conference. I was honored to speak. But I kept thinking we had just moved the week before. And I looked on my phone checking in for my airline. I thought... And my eyes were blurry because I was so tired. It was like two o'clock in the morning time. And so I could upgrade to first class for like $54. And I was like, I'm absolutely going to do that because then I can sleep on the way home from California to Pennsylvania. Right. And it's like, my husband's like, yes, purge on yourself. Well, I did it. And then my ticket didn't get upgraded. And then I realized what it was, was my eyes were so blurry. I clicked on the wrong flight. I had upgraded my flight to first class when we were all leaving as um, a group of employees from CCS (laughs) National Conference. (laughs) So not only did I waste $54 um, for a two-hour flight, but I had like this walk of shame, right? (laughs) having to sit in first class um, (laughs) among all these humble servants of CCF. And I literally, I just wanted to die. Oh my Um, goodness. And and all because I would not get readers. (laughs) So, And I still, I mean, I have them. They're in a drawer. I have some cute Vera Bradley ones, but I imagine I'm going to make many more visual
1: errors. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It doesn't take long. Trust me. I'm on that side of the spectrum. I call them cheaters. I got to have my (laughs) cheaters (laughs) out Well, some of us have been blind our whole lives. And so I, you know, i and not, not
2: literally blind, obviously, but very, very bad eyesight since I was a little girl. And so now I just get to, everybody's so used to me wearing glasses. I just get to have these wonderful bifocals that there's no line. Now the technology has increased nice. where people can't even tell. Now you all know that I'm, I'm wearing bifocals. This this happens to all of us. <laughs>
1: Well, I tell you what, I'm actually going to, maybe, maybe this is a way I can use that. The next time I fly, I'll be like, I didn't know. I clicked the button. I couldn't see. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I say when people pass me, when I travel with my, my colleagues, I didn't, I couldn't see. (laughs) so funny. Well, Darby,
2: thank you so much for joining us and listeners. We just highly recommend anything that you see that Mm -hmm. has Darby's name on it click on it and read it and, and gain wisdom from her extensive experience and love for people. And, you know, there's a reason why people kept bringing their friends into your office. And it's Mm -hmm. because you just have this demeanor Darby of care, concern, humility. Mm -hmm. It just exudes from you. And that is such a huge Testament of the Lord in your heart and life, but also just, uh, man, we're grateful to follow your example in that way. So Mm -hmm. thank you again for joining us No sweet
0: encouragement, ladies. Really appreciate all that you're doing. It's really important.
2: Well, thank you listeners for joining us today. And we will talk to you again next week for another episode of Council for Life. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to Council for Life with Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please be sure to rate, share, and subscribe. And for more information, visit CouncilForLifePodcast.com.